man. I just, uh, what wonderful worship. Uh, I debated if I should even sing anything uh, because wonderful singing. You guys are awesome. Y'all rock. Y'all got a wonderful music department. I think they get, deserve a great big hand. Hallelujah. Sometimes you go to a church and you, uh, you start to sing something that is not on the schedule and people freak out. They, they panic. They go this panic mode. It's like deer in the headlights look. And uh, that felt good. Hallelujah. That I didn't at least have to play all the time. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, you've got a wonderful pastor. Brother and Sister Buford, God bless you. Amen. You're very blessed. We've connected, uh, connected over the last little while, and uh, he's related to a friend of mine, and, and we just, uh, I won't tell anybody who it is. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but Brother Joel Mitchell is, they're related, and, and to have Bishop here, and, and uh, one of the great minds of the United Pentecostal Church. I'm now nervous. I'm very nervous. I started to go back and study and make sure my theology was correct. My heart's pounding. So things I would normally say, I won't say them tonight. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord? I don't know about you, but I feel high faith in this place tonight. Amen. If you walked in here with a need, if you walked in here with a need, I believe and I know that God is going to meet you at your point of need. I'm just a crazy guy. I'm just a... Uh, I'm just a brother from another mother, and uh, I, I've got the Holy Ghost down in my soul, just like the Bible says. I, I cut my teeth on, a, uh, well, cut my gums or whatever they call it. I, cut, I, uh, I chewed on piano benches and, and uh, knocked my heads on old pews going to sleep. I was raised in this thing, and I love it more today than I have ever loved it in my life. Amen. There's an old song we used to sing, and I won't do it, but I, we have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in His holy word. He's never failed me yet. I love the song, but that one little word right there just irritates the fire out of me because that, that word yet leaves an open possibility that there is a possibility. There is no possibility. It should just be saying, saying He's never failed me. He'll never fail me. Hallelujah. I'm not going to turn around because that's the kind of God we serve. But I want to turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 16, verse number 25. And uh, pastor told me, he said, take your time. Preach as long as you want to. Um, he said, we're not constrained by a time limit. But I'm going to turn my clock on to an hour and a half. So at least we'll try to... I don't want to be preaching to an empty congregation. Amen. I'm, I'm giving an altar call to just a couple of us. But uh, I am kidding. Just keep doodling if you don't mind. Would you mind? I, I'm so sorry. I like dinner music. Things are a lot better when there's dinner. You can go to McDonald's and if they have cool music, you can stay. Okay. I, that's just... Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. They didn't sit there and fuss and cuss and all that other thing. 
But the Bible says they prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. The first step to illumination is turning on the light. The first step to seeing where you're going to go is turning on the light. Now I know that's a great revelation for some people in here. Uh, well, you got to open your eyes, but then you turn on the light. Tonight, by the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to attempt to turn a light on for some people in here tonight about worship. I want to preach to you for just a few moments on the subject, when God keeps rhythm with your rejoicing. When God keeps rhythm with your rejoicing. Hallelujah. Would you put your hands together and let's pray. Let's talk to God. Hallelujah. God, we praise you. We exalt you, Lord. We lift you up. We magnify your name, Lord. As we have sang praises, we ask you, God, to meet us now. In Jesus' name, everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. If you'll help me preach, you may be seated. If you're not, then stay standing. Amen. I love it when that happens. Everybody is seated, so that means you're going to help me. Uh, what constitutes a miracle? I don't know. I, I don't know you. I've never been here before, and probably 99.9% .9 of you I've never seen in my life. But I do know that in a crowd this size, and what a wonderful uh, group of people here tonight, uh, but I know that there are people in this building that need a miracle that have walked into this place. I could feel in the worship at the very beginning. From the moment we walked in here, there was a move of the Holy Ghost. And and uh, pastor said it a few moments ago that uh, even from last week, and, and, and it's incredible. I love what I feel in this house today. But um, when many times when we need a miracle, the word is often invoked uh, when it's confronted with bad news and impossible circumstances or an extreme need. And we say we need a miracle. And uh, one of the great theologians of our time, Webster, hallelujah, uh, said a miracle is an event that appears unexplainable by the laws of nature and is so held to be supernatural or an act of God. As I began to study this, God's word was abounding and is abounding with miraculous occurrences. But however, they always seem to be coupled with the dark days and dire distress. And somebody said amen. It almost seems like in the middle of your darkest night, we desire a marvelous, unexplainable event to transpire in our serious situation. It almost seems like whenever we're at our wit's end, we finally say, I need a miracle. Now, one of the things I'd like to say from the very beginning is that the Bible says heaven is his throne. In the book of Isaiah 66, 1, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? Uh, one of the things that I, I, I told pastor before church, I said music is, is part of my life. Worship has been, I was a worship leader long before I was a preacher. I, I, I was a music director long before I ever stepped behind a pulpit. But uh, one of the things I have learned over the years is that we worship because we love. You are going to worship what you love. Uh, if, if you have grandchildren, I know you love those grandchildren because uh, it borderlines worship sometimes. And that's not a bad thing. And all the grandparents smile and all the parents smile or something. Help me out for just a moment. But don't tell me you're in love and we, it is not manifest. 
because we are going to worship what we love. There are some things, Pastor, that I am concerned about in Pentecost. There are some things that concern me. I am not concerned about holiness because there's going to be always great men of God that preach holiness. Uh, may not be as many as it used to be or may something like that. I'll leave it alone. But uh, there's going to always be preachers that preach holiness. I'm not concerned about Jesus' name baptism because there will always be a great man of God that preach baptism in Jesus' name. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. But uh, I'm not even concerned about, uh, uh, again, holiness because there will be men who continue to preach it. And someone said one time that extravagant worship means extravagant presence. If I want the, the presence of God, if I want the extravagant presence of God, then there has to be extravagant worship. That is what we have had here tonight. We, we feel it in the atmosphere right now. Just because we changed and we're, we're going into another part of the service does not mean that the same God was not here. I do not worship on emotion. I worship because I love him. I do not worship because the beat of a music or the beat of the drum. I worship because he is God and I'm going to give my extravagant worship because I want the extravagant presence of God. Hallelujah. But the one thing that I am concerned about in Pentecost is, uh, is worship. Because we've come to this place where we can orchestrate a move of God. We know how to sing the right songs. We know how to do the right thing to get people to tap their toe. And, and we know how to get people to shake their head and, and, and bebop around, if you will. We know how to sing. It's, uh, please don't, uh, don't misunderstand me. You don't know me, but, but please don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not against all of, of, of having uh, being able to sing. You've got wonderful singers and musicians and we felt the presence of God. But we know how to organize a service. We know how to make things look good and, and that's all good and well. But do we know how to worship God with everything we've got inside us? I believe that has happened here tonight and that is inspiring. That is uplifting. But ladies and gentlemen, I present to you tonight that God will keep rhythm with your rejoicing. Hallelujah. It's not alone about the singing. It's not alone about the words of adoration. You see, as a worship leader, it is our uh, task to put the words of worship on the lips of people in the congregation. But not only do we have to put the word on the lips of those in the congregation, but we have to transfer a spirit of God and a divine move of God. Listen, you don't have to have singing to have a move of God, but you do have to have worship to have a move of God. Hallelujah. Worship is the, uh, is the visible outflow of love. When I worship Him, then all of a sudden people are going to realize that I really do love God because I'm worshiping Him. The key emotion of worship is love. The key attitude of worship is surrender. The key act of worship is obedience. And so when I worship Him, I'm saying, and, and I, it's so easy to preach this here tonight because of the wonderful worship. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've felt the Lord inspire me to preach this on occasion where somebody, it was a little, little bit tight. They, and it wasn't right. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so uh, when people really understand love worship, then it's easy to preach this. But I want to illuminate something in your lives tonight. You see, over the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, where there were two cherubims. Their wings touched. They didn't look at each other. Meaning that we'll never see eye to eye, but we're worshiping the same true living God. We're not worshiping a relic somewhere in a back room. But I am worshiping Him. Why? Because He gave me breath. Why? He woke me up this morning and He started me on my way. And 
and so I will praise him because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, preaching requires a calling, but worship simply requires the willing. What we do up here, if, if you're not called to do it, do not try it. You won't like it. It's, uh, it, it's not the easiest thing to do, but that it requires a calling. But being a worshiper simply requires the willing. When you walk into the house of God, when you wake up in the morning, it is my desire. When I wake up in the morning, listen, worship is not what I do. Worship is who I am. Now, I know I'm throwing a bunch of cliches out there, but this is really how I feel. Because worship is not what I do. It's who I am. When I wake up in the morning, I want hell to get scared because Tim Marshall has woken up. Tim Marshall is, and when my feet hit the floor, I want everything, every demon and imp around to get nervous because I am up and I'm going to live my worship. I'm going to worship him just even by my action. But when I come to the house of God, I, I may, I, oh, somebody help a little bit. I may clap my hands. I may jump a little bit. I may wave my arms, but I'm still going to worship God to the best of my ability. Why? Because God will keep rhythm with your rejoicing. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, because our worship is all about Him. We look at Him. It's, it, the worship has nothing to do with the, me, the music or the choir. And, and I, I, y'all are wonderful. Please don't misunderstand me. But worship has nothing to do with the syncopation of the beat, the rhythm of how fast a song or how slow a song is. Worship has nothing to do with the genre or the category of, of music. Worship has nothing to do with the denomination or affiliation. Worship has nothing to do with a, or being a, in a box or relegated to a certain type of church our denomination. Worship is not branded only for a certain kind of people. Worship is not for the unintelligent or just the intelligent. Worship is simply for, it has nothing to do with our gathering in a building. Worship is not an event. Worship is an encounter. And when I begin to encounter God, God is going to step down in the middle. Oh, somebody help me just a little bit. When I, when, when I begin to worship Him, God is going to step down in the middle of your problem. Hallelujah, clap your hands to Jesus. What is your level of expectation? A level of expectation will reach to a place of a level of demonstration. That when I begin to worship God, all of a sudden something's going to happen. Remember I read to you, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. There was a reason that they were in this situation. Now remember, heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. I'm going to say it several times, but here's what, uh, now you'll find out real quick that I'm ADDHD. <laughs> I'm attention deficit disorder, high definition. And uh, man, I'm, I'm HD. And uh, if y'all don't watch it, I'll be out walking and looking at the posters and everything while y'all are down here or something. I, um, uh, my, my wife, I'm, I'm so ADDHD, I'm, I'm telling you, squirrels just drive me crazy. <laughs> I, uh, I can be in a restaurant. Uh, y'all know that song, uh, Going Up Yonder? You know, Do you want to know? The keyboard goes da-da-da-da-da-da. That's called a call and response. It's a style of, a type of music. It's a, uh, it, it's a musical term, call and response. And uh, that song was written with that in mind. It was a, do you want to know? And the music follows it. Here's what I think. Uh, Paul and Silas, they were on their way to the temple to pray. They were on about their, their, 
normal business. The same thing they had done many times before. This was not their first rodeo. They're on their way to, to about their daily business. But for some reason, they found themselves in stocks and bonds. They found themselves in the prison at the close of the day, at, t- at 12, at midnight, the st- clock struck 12 and they didn't have blue suede shoes on they were they were uh, they they found themselves in a very desperate situation remember heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool my ADD mind does this what did Paul and Silas do when they were down there in prison and uh, they didn't sit there and gripe and look at each other and I'm fixing to date myself by this statement uh, Paul didn't look at Silas, or Silas didn't look at Paul and say, it's another, another fine mess you got us into, Ollie. Those that are above the age of 40 or 50 will understand that one. But uh, I, I think they sat down there and they started talking about the goodness of the Lord. Maybe they started talking about the things that the Lord had already done. And, uh, but then again, all of a sudden, they started praying. The Bible says they prayed and sang praises. And I don't know what the song was. But I don't know what the tempo was. I don't know if it was a major mode or a minor mode. I don't know, I don't know any about that. But uh, uh, could it be maybe that they sang something like, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire? That, I doubt it. But it's just kind of, I'm ADD, okay? Y'all give me a little bit of leeway there. But uh, they began to sing something. And the Bible says something began to happen. And here's what I believe happened. As they began to sing praises. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go to a restaurant, again, I'm ADD, okay? Uh, when I, I'll go to a restaurant. Man, I can go to IHOP. I can go to Denny's. I can be standing on the elevator. And Delilah can start playing something on the radio. Hello? Thank you. I feel like, I feel like we've connected somehow. Delilah can be playing something on the, 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 the radio on the elevator. It can be everything from Conway to Kanye. And I, you know, I don't know those songs. I don't listen to that song, that, that stuff. It does not. But, man, there's something that starts happening. Man, my head starts doing this, and my toe starts. Am I the only sinner in this place? Let's get honest. Let's get honest. Is there anybody, when you're sitting in a restaurant, your hand, thank you, thank you, honesty. We're getting somewhere, Pastor. We're, we're, we have revival. I can be sitting there and Kanye can come on, or Conway, I'm sorry. Conway Twitty can come on. I don't know what even, I, if somebody told me. I, but man, something, Elvis can come on and my leg starts moving or something, you know. And I, 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 but here, that's what, it's, I'm, I'm crazy, I know. But I'll be sitting at the restaurant and the music will come on and I'll start tapping my toe. And my wife will grab my leg, she'll smack my leg and she'll say, babe, you're doing it again. I said, I know, I've been doing it 50 years, I'm not going to stop yet. And so, so uh, I'll be sitting there and man. I'll start tapping my toe Elvis can start singing about blue suede shoes and jailhouse rock and I'll start tapping my toe could it be that whenever Paul and Silas began to praise God could it be remember heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool could it be that as they began to praise God all of a sudden God said angels be quiet somebody down there has got some rhythm and maybe God began to tap his toe to the rhythm of their rejoicing I'm just asking a question here tonight but here's what I believe I believe as they began to praise God and sing all of a sudden something happened and God began to keep rhythm with their rejoicing and the walls began to shake the chains fell off come on somebody hear me the doors burst wide open that's what happens when we give 
began to praise God from the dismal depths of a prison. They chose to pray and praise instead of doubt and do without. I want somebody in this house today to understand that God will keep rhythm with your rejoicing. Brother Marshall, do you really feel like that? Yeah, I really feel it. Look at Zephaniah. The Bible says I, he will rejoice over thee with joy. That's the word of God. And so here's what I like to do whenever I think that when I'm going through something, I'll just start shouting. I'll just start singing. Man, it may be filled. You may start off by yourself, but after a few moments, then somebody's going to say, I know what they're talking about. I know what they're going through. When God keeps rhythm with your rejoicing. I was uh, several years ago, I was, I moved out to California and uh, I'd pastored in Indiana for 10 years and uh, we'd built a brand new building and the Lord said, okay, it's time for you to go to California. I didn't want to go to California (laughs) and I'll just leave that one alone right there. I said, no, I'm from Texas, was raised in the Philippines. My parents were missionaries there. My wife was raised in Hong Kong. Her parents were missionaries there. You know, we love the multicultural thing. That, that's cool with us. But California really was not on my agenda. We went there. And uh, because he took us there. And uh, so I, I'm, uh, one day things just were not, were not gelling. Things were not happening. Things took a very hard left-hand turn on me. And I'm driving down the road one day. And my wife, uh, my wife knows that I, I, I like the old school stuff, man. I like... Uh, Milton Brunson and all that, man, the black gospel choir stuff. That's, mm, man, that, if that gets anybody going, it'd get me going. I just, I like that old gospel stuff like that. So we're driving down the road, and man, my spirit had been vexed. That, do y'all use that word? <laughs> vexed. My spirit was vexed. And, and I couldn't, normally I'll go to the piano and I'll start playing and I'll, I'll have my own little worship service and, and I'll start singing or something. But I had no song, I had no rhythm, I had no, I had no melody, I had something was just, my spirit was just going crazy. And we're driving down the road. I had a Nissan Pathfinder 2006. And uh, my wife put in a CD of a man by the name of Clint Brown. And Clint Brown started singing, he'll make a way, he'll make a way, he'll make a way. Man, that choir was just rocking and rolling and moving and grooving. And I stopped the car. Now, we were about an hour south of San Francisco. That's where we pastored. And uh, I stopped the car in the middle of the road. God is my witness. My wife sent me a text before I walked up. She said, I'm watching online so my wife can vouch that, uh, that I'm telling you the truth. I stopped my car in the middle of the road. My wife thought, uh-oh, <laughs> he lost it. My kids are thinking, uh-oh, dad, they're going to bring that little white jacket with the silver buckles and they're going to cart dad away. And I got out of the car, I closed the door, and this is what I did. In the middle of the road, people passing by me. It was not about what they felt. It was not about what they thought. It was about I needed an answer from God. I, need, I didn't care if I had to get it in the middle of the road. I'm telling you, somebody, God will keep rhythm. I just sat out there and danced for a little while. I just danced. Did I feel a thunderbolt from heaven? Nope, I didn't, but something happened in my spirit. I got in the car, I smiled, and I said, let's go, baby. And so we're driving down the road. Watch this. God did not change my circumstances, but God changed me to meet the circumstances. Y'all follow me? He, he, He allowed my spirit to be settled. 
before I could ever move forward in Him. Sometimes we got to get to that, not sometimes, all of the time. We need to get that place in worship where, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. It may not look good right now. It may not feel right right now, but I know that you never change. And I know that if I begin praising you and worshiping you, then, God, you will meet me at my point of need. Hallelujah. Am I making any sense at all tonight? Fast forward the, 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 uh, the calendar a little bit. We moved back to Indiana. I started evangelizing. We drove to, uh, it was a long story. I'll, I'll break it down really quickly. And uh, we, we drove to Ohio from Indiana. I didn't know it, but somebody had climbed up under my car and poked holes in the oil filter. Now, I, I, I'm not a mechanic, folks. I promise. I'm really not a mechanic. Uh, but I know you got to have oil in the engine. I do know that. And so... Uh, uh, when we got to Ohio, of course, I didn't know that they had done that. And I, I pull up to the hotel and I told my wife, I said, babe, would you go check in? I said, I hear something. I, I thought some paper had gotten into the fan. When you were a kid, did you take a, uh, one of those uh, playing cards and a, uh, what was it, clothes pin or something like that? And you put it on your bicycle? Did y'all do that? And it made my Schwinn sound like a Harley Davidson. <laughs> Took those tattoos from the, cr- no, no, I didn't either. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, so I told my wife, I said, babe, there's probably there's some paper in the fan. And I said, I'm going to get it out. Would you check into the hotel? So we, uh, I opened the hood, and there was no paper in the fan. I pulled the dipstick out, and I checked it, and there was no oil on the dipstick. I drove across the street to Walmart, and I put four quarts and a four-and-a-half-quart oil, uh, oil uh, engine. So uh, I took it to church, and, and I drove it to church, and I told the pastor what was going on. He said, let's put it in the shop tomorrow. They told me that somebody poked holes in the oil filter and they tried to take it off and then they put it back on the gasket and all this kind of stuff so it messed the engine up but I asked the guy I said I said would you drive this to Texas and he said yeah he said you're good but something in my spirit just was not right and and uh it it started clattering all that kind of stuff so I drove it to Texas and went back and wouldn't even drive at night because I felt like the engine was going to blow up at some point uh, and so I, uh, we got back to Indiana, and I, I took it to a dealer, uh, to a, a shop that I was familiar with, and I said, what's wrong with it? They said, it's the timing chain. And I said, no, nah, I don't believe you. So I took it to the Nissan place, and they said, it's the timing chain. So I said, okay, I believe you now. <laughs> and uh, he said, it's either $1,500 now or $5,000 later. And I said, I'm a pretty smart guy. Go ahead and let's get the $1,500 out of the way. And, you know, and so they fixed it, and I got it back to the house, and I, I lifted the hood. And I, I said, God, listen, I believe that you either believe in prayer or you don't believe in prayer. Hello? I believe that if you pray that God will do something when you begin to pray. Do I have anybody in here that believes that? I knew that. I just wanted you to admit it. And uh, so I lifted the hood, and I began to I poured olive oil on the engine. Never thought that it would catch on fire. It didn't catch on fire. Everybody grabs their hearts. Uh, Till Marshall's in jail from embezzlement from the insurance company. No. So uh, please scratch that off the CD or whatever. So I, I poured oil on the engine. I said, God, I said, I'm here because of you. I'm here because you, this is what you want me to do. I said, I... This is not what I would have chosen. I said, but I can't go out and buy another vehicle. I said, God, I don't. I, I, if you want to give me a new one, or God, either give me a new one or heal this one. I really don't care which one. But God, I'm trusting you. I said, God, I trust you completely. 
You see, our, our problem is, is we have faith. Faith uh, is unwavering. Faith does not change. I've heard people say, well, I let my faith slip. No, your faith does not slip. Your trust slips. Faith and trust are two separate things. I can have faith in God, but do I trust God? So I said, God, I said, I trust you completely. I said, whatever you want to do, I'm cool with it. I'm crying, tears streaming down my face, people walking by me. But this was not conversation about them. It was me and God. And so I closed the, end of the hood and I went down to, uh, back to Ohio, went down to Georgia. As I'm leaving Georgia, somebody called me and they said, Brother Marshall, we heard about your family and y'all's ministry. We'd like for you to come by and preach. This was on a Monday in the middle of June. I said, I've got this Wednesday night open. And I said, I can't, uh, I, I said, I'm booked until the end of October. I said, I've got this Wednesday night. So we, he said, come on, preach for us. And so we drove to Mississippi, preached for the man, and uh, had great things happen. God filled people with the Holy Ghost. It was just a great service. And he said, can you stay over Sunday? And I went, you know, I'm already scheduled revival, but let me call this guy. So we called, and we stayed for the weekend, and uh, we, we drive to Alexander, Louisiana, where we have family. So we're sitting there, and, and I get a call from this pastor. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I, I, I want to build your faith a little bit. Is that all right with you all? I, I promise you, I'm not going to keep you until sunup. Uh, but I, uh, we, we drove to Louisiana, and I get a phone call from the pastor. And he said, Brother Marshall, he said, we've got a family in our church that has a burden for you and your family. And they want to come over tomorrow, and they want to buy your, your kids some clothes. <laughs> My thought was, I thought they dressed pretty nice, you know. <laughs> okay, whatever you want to do. So they drove uh, three and a half hours or whatever it was. And... Uh, we, they, we go to get something to eat, and they're really antsy, and they said, let's go to the mall. So we get to the mall. We walk in. They hand my, me uh, $600. They hand my wife $600. They go and buy our kids a bunch of clothes and all this kind of stuff. And I, I, I was a pastor. You know, I, I helped turn people's lights on. I paid car notes for people. I, I brought groceries. I, I was not, this was not something I was used to. But we're sitting around there, and I walk around, and, and man, this is Louisiana. They didn't have clothes men's size, you know. <laughs> I said, I'm going to Texas. I'll go to Texas where they have big boy clothes. <laughs> Louisiana, man, they had just skinny jeans and stuff like that. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, we're walking around, and the pastor calls me, and he said, uh, would you please come over to where we're at? So we go over there, this lady in their church and her kids, the pastor and his wife, and the pastor, uh, the lady gets her husband on the phone. He said, Brother Marshall, he said, Pastor told me you have 189,000 miles on your vehicle. I said, yes, sir. He said, I've asked Pastor to take you down to the Toyota dealership and buy you whatever vehicle you want. He said, I suggest you go larger than what you have, not smaller than what you have, or not even the same size. Yep, old boy almost passed out. <laughs> on the way to the dealership, the pastor said, let's go. They're going to close. They're gonna, we get, get over there. And on the way, I said, how much? What's the budget? He said, there's not one. He balanced his checkbook, and there's $1.5 million in his account. Whatever you, I get there. I'm the type of guy, when I go out to eat, I don't care who's buying. I'm looking at the menu and the prices. Uh, I know what a, a, a pine float is. Does anybody know what a pine float is? It's a glass of water and a toothpick. <laughs> when you're so poor, you can't go out to eat, but you can have a glass of water and a toothpick. <laughs> so we get to the dealership, and, and I walk up, and I see the, I see the tag on the side of the, the, the glass, and it says $56,000. Now, I see the other ones, but they're smaller. And he told me not to go smaller. So this is the only, this is the only option that I have. There was the platinum, but then there was this limited. 
And uh, I, I saw that and I said, no, I don't need that one. So I, he, the pastor said, you like that? Man, it was black. It had brand, the interior was gorgeous. Uh, I said, um, I said, yeah. He said, take it for a test drive. And so we drove it one block down the road and black back. We did not want somebody to say, psych. <laughs> we were just kidding. <laughs> and so we drive it down, come back. And he said, you like it? And I said, yes, sir. He said, let's do the paperwork. They wrote a check for $56,000, bought us a brand new vehicle. I'm standing in there. Uh, says, come to the keyboard, please. And I, I'm on the downhill swing of things. Dinner music always makes everything go better. I'm, 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 I walk inside. I knew what I had prayed, and the Lord had come through. I'm sitting there, and we sign all the paperwork, and he ha the, the manager has the keys in his hand, and he starts to hand them to the pastor. And the pastor said, no, it's not my car, it's his. So he hands the keys to me, and the pastor looks over at me. He says, what you going to do now? Oh, never say that to Tim Marshall. Never, because I can't embarrass you. No, I'm kidding. So I get, I get the keys. The whole time people are walking by me, and they're looking because they heard somebody bought somebody a car, a very nice vehicle. And so I, uh, I walk out, and I'm making sure I'm being really animated. I walk outside, and they had pulled it up into that VIP place, you know, at the front of the dealership. That means very poor person, and that's... Uh, they pulled it up to the front. I walked out there and I opened the door and I smelt. I looked inside and I just really animated. I was people were up at the front of the building wondering what this crazy guy is gonna do. I reached my nose inside and I just smelt and I came back and I just smiled. I closed the door and I did this. Because if we can praise him in the good times, we better be able to praise him in the bad times. Come on, somebody, hear me. God, you've done this for us. You've helped me. You've blessed me. You've healed me. You've touched my life. I'm telling you, many times we miss the promise because of the process. Listen, if you can praise him in the middle of the problem, in the middle of your situation, he's going to be with you at all times. Somebody, if you're in the middle of the fire right now, you need to thank God that you're in the fire. If you're in the middle of your a bad situation, you need to thank God that you're alive. Because the other, the, the Bible says that that they fell dead at the doorstep when He said, "Turn the fire up seven times hotter." We miss the promise because of the process. When really the process is part of the promise. He said, "I'll never leave you nor forsake you." I will not leave you alone. If you're in the middle of the fire, you need to thank God. I'm in the fire. I didn't die at the doorstep. Why? Because in the middle of the fire, the king said, didn't we just throw in three? Yeah, we threw in there three, king. Then, then why do I see the fourth? The fourth looks like somebody else. I'm trying to tell somebody that God will keep rhythm with your rejoicing. Whether whatever's going on, whatever's happening in your life, God will... Come on, I want somebody to help me out just for a few moments that God will keep rhythm with your rejoicing. Come on, you need healing in your body? God will heal you. You need a touch in your life? God will touch your life. Come on, if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with His Spirit. Come on, come on, come on, clap your hands, everybody. Come on, God will keep rhythm with your rejoicing. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, there's healing in this place right now. There's healing. If you need healing in your body, come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. Listen, listen. My wife, the doctors diagnosed my wife four years ago with breast cancer. And uh, I'm crazy. I laid down, I knelt down beside her bed the night before she went in for her biopsies and all this stuff. For the surgery. And I said, God, I said, I, I, I trust you completely. I said, this is my wife. I said, I'm asking you to touch her. When they found it, they said it was nine centimeters in si- millimeters in size. When they finally went in for surgery, they come back out and the doctor said, uh, it, we got it all. He said it was microscopic. That was his words, microscopic. He said if it was any smaller, he said it wouldn't have been there. Somebody said, well, then, then did God really heal her? Oh, yes, God really healed her. Come on, four years now. She's completely cancer free. <laughs> Hallelujah. When they took it out, it was 0. 0.7. 0.7. 900% reduction. Don't tell me. Listen, if you try to tell me that God does not work miracles, you've come too late because I still believe in miracles. I still believe the vehicle I drive to this day is a result of what happened back several, about four or five years ago. You know why? Because I haven't stopped praising Him. Because I, listen, whatever God blesses you with, your children will be blessed with because you're going to keep worshiping. You keep praising God. I'm telling you that God has the ability, that God has the power, that God will do that, but God will keep rhythm with your rejoicing. Come on, lift your hands to heaven right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, be healed. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. It's not about me, God. It's all about you. And I will worship you. I will worship you. I was in Willis, Texas. I was in Willis, Texas, and I walked over to a lady and I began to pray for her. And I said, Fibromyalgia right now, I command you by the power of the name of Jesus. You have no authority. You are powerless. And I rebuke you. I curse you to your core. The lady went, she went to the, the vitamin store the next day and asked the, uh, the lady that was working there. She said, uh, fibromyalgia, what vitamins do you have? The lady pulled a bunch of them out. And she said, uh, this is what it is. The, the sister said, man, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of money. And uh, the, the lady that worked at the store said, why are you asking? She said, last night the preacher prayed for me and prayed for fibromyalgia. She said, I don't know what I have, but I went home and looked at it. And for six years, I have suffered from every symptom that it said on the Internet about fibromyalgia. She said, the preacher diagnosed me last night with fibromyalgia. The lady said, I'm not selling you anything. This is a sinner. This is a sinner. She said, 
I'm not selling you anything. She said, God gave you a word last night. God healed you. That's been, that's been about four years ago. The lady, Sister Smith, she still is completely healed. Her husband was going in for hernia surgery the next day. Last time I was there, we prayed for him. He went to the hospital. They said, we don't understand why you're here. You shouldn't even be here right now. I'm telling you, God will keep rhythm with your rejoicing. God, I don't, come on, I don't even feel like it sometimes, but I'm still going to praise him. Come on, I can tell you miracle after miracle across this nation. Our God still reigns. Our God still is in control. But somebody needs to worship Him. Somebody needs to lift their hands right now by the power. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. some walls shaking right now. I feel some bands that are falling off. I feel some chains that are falling Come on. I, I don't, don't know, know what 